ओम ज्ञान चिरंधस्यलाकाया चक्षुरमीलित तस्मा श्रीगुरव नम इहार परमहंस गौरंगेर निज वंश ऑल देम्स मेन्शन धीर पर्टिक्युर्ली दोज फ्रॉम माधवेन्द्रपुरी They're all Gorangera Nijavangsha. They're all the in the direct associates of Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had many more associates than those who are mentioned in this song. We find in Chaitanya Charitamrita the. Uh, description of the chaitanya tree and many of the devotees of chaitanya mahaprabhu are mentioned as figuratively chaitanya mahaprabhu is the tree and he's the trunk of the tree and there are uh, the main branches are nityananda and advaita so it's figuratively that uh, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself had so many direct associates and then there are associates of Nityananda and Advaita and disciples of Gadadha. So their names are listed but Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami says actually there are many more devotees whose names are not given here. I've just given the principal names. So here in this song composed by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati and just altered a little at the end to include the name of our Śrīla Prabhupāda, Abhay Charana Aravinda, Śrīla Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupāda, whose uh, appearance day is being celebrated today. So, in this song, the names of the most prominent devotees have been included. They're all all the devotees listed in Chaitanya Charitamrita, they're all Paramahamsas, they're all Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's direct associates. But among them, some they their contribution to the world is uh, in terms of preaching, establishing Krishna consciousness. That is more we can, exceptional contribution. Of course, we have to be very careful when we speak about the great devotees because in material consciousness we tend to think in terms, this one is very big, this one's not so big. But all the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are very dear to him. Still, among them, some are undoubtedly exceptional. The six Goswamis of Vrindavan, Swarup Damada, their names are mentioned for their contributions. And these director Govinda, the servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he lived with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu just as much as uh, Swarup Damada did. More, actually, go well. 
Govinda wasn't there at night. Srub Damada was there at night. But particularly the names of, uh, yeah, Govinda, his name is not mentioned there because he wasn't, uh, he was serving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Personal, his personal servant. But he, uh, he didn't make a, a major philosophical contribution or preach. He wrote one important book, his, was his Karcha, his diary, which is the, uh, telling about the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that's important. But, uh, the, the six Goswamis, they were especially deputed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to, uh, well, Rupan Sanatan, to go to Vrindavan, to uh, show how to live in Vrindavan, to excavate the lost holy places, to write books, establishing the cult of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he didn't write books. We have his recorded Shikshashtaka. It's recorded in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. So... Uh, there are some other verses in Chaitanya Charitamrita which are spoken by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, especially this Shikshamrita is very famous. Uh, I believe it's either Bhaktivinoda Thakur or Bhaktisiddhanta Sasura, I can't remember, one of them say that. Upadeshamrita of Rupa Goswami, that was also spoken by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and recorded by Rupa Goswami. Whatever, I mean all the, all the knowledge comes from him, he's the source. Of all knowledge, this Sri uh, Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Hayamna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is non different from Radha and Krishna. So, uh, whatever knowledge is there in the world is all his knowledge of him, about him, given by him. And some is directly given, some isn't. But he particularly Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Rupa and Sanatan Goswamis to write and then later they were assisted by others so all the uh, six Goswamis Raghunath Bhattanath and the others they've all composed uh, important works which establish Sri <laughs> Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam the heart's desire of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Especially Rupa Goswami did that. Surup Damodar Goswami and Rupa Goswami, uh, they knew what is the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Otherwise, we wouldn't know. Actually, Surup Damodar didn't tell anyone. Only Rupa Goswami made that known to the world. And then later that was revealed in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. So all these devotees there not ordinary devotees. They know the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The six Goswamis and then uh, Krishidas Kaviraj Goswami, his Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, that is the definitive work for understanding Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his teachings. It's it's not that we'll just read the... Some, some so-called scholars, they think, well, we'll read the works of Jiva Goswami and the six Goswamis, that's in Sanskrit. And in this way we'll understand what are the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But by avoiding Chaitanya Charitamrita, we can understand 
that's Chaitanya Charitamrita is composed mostly in Bengali, so yeah, Bengali is not very high class. Sanskrit, that's better, they think, but without understand, without studying Chaitanya Charitamrita and Chaitanya Bhagavad, especially Chaitanya Charitamrita, we, we don't have access to the uh, understanding of who is Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we can understand that that's not to undermine the works of the six Goswamis. Their works are <clears throat> uh, essential for understanding Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We, but we can't take one without the other. They're all required understanding. So, uh, especially the, the well, they, they wrote Jiva Goswami gave the, what is the catechism of of Gorya Vaishnava Siddhanta and uh, others, Rupa Goswami and especially. Raghunath Das Goswami, they, uh, they revealed the, uh, inner esoteric secrets of, which is not even given directly in Srimad Bhagavatam, of Krishna's, uh, pastimes in this world, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to relish that. So, the six Goswamis, they didn't, write very much about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami did that. <clears throat> so the next in disciplic succession is mentioned, of course, it's not by direct initiation, but Narottam Das is mentioned. He was, we say the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, but before they went to Vrindavan, before any of them went to Vrindavan, Lokanath Goswami, was sent there by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and also Bhugarbha Goswami. But uh, they're, they're not listed among the six because they, can, uh, they're, they're, they were living in Vrindavan but they weren't writing and Lokanath, they weren't teaching, they were living and doing bhajan. Lokanath Goswami, of course, initiated Narotandas. We sing the name of Lokanath Goswami. Every day, Lokanath Lokera Jivan, in the song that we sing in Srila Prabhupada's honor, that is composed by Narottam Das. And he composed that song actually in glorification of his guru, Lokanath Das Goswami. Uh, we sing it, that may be sung for the Paramahamsas in the line of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Narottam Das also, his contribution was uh, immense, both on the, we can say, the, the practical side or the exoteric side, uh, in preaching and establishing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. It was already established there in Bengal, but, uh, or is in the process of being established, but it's not so easy. Preaching is never easy. <laughs> we're always trying to find some easy way well people don't like Krishna consciousness so teach them Reiki or yoga or something else but actually to change people's consciousness that is the meaning of preaching he defined preaching as uh, 
changing the opposite or the perverted taste of the jivas. That is preaching and that is the, that is the best welfare work. So it's not easy. Narottam Das, he, he was uh, attacked by the Brahmin class, supported by the royal class, but he tolerated all of that and was uh, able to be successful. And he didn't travel widely, but he sent his disciples to out widely. And he composed many works. We know Narottam mostly for his Prarthana and Prema Bhakti Chandrika, although apparently he wrote many other works also. There, there is a book which I have, which was composed by a Calcutta University scholar of songs of Narottam. Of course, many of them, they may not actually be by him as the scholar notes, but apart from Pratana and Prem Bhakti Chandrika, they, there may be many others. There are many others composed, at least in his name, though not necessarily, it may or may not be written by him. Anyway, these two books are, are collections, not very big. They're... Uh, written in simple Bengali language so that everyone can understand. Otherwise, the works of the Goswamis are very difficult for the average Bengali to understand. So Narottam Das wrote in very simple language. We can understand. Sri Guru Charana Padma Kevala Bhakati Sadma Bando Muvi Savadana Mate Well, I guess you don't understand Bengali. But Sri Guru Charana Padma You can all understand what that means, right? Sri of course, what does the word Sri mean? It's a very big word. <laughs> but at least we have a beginning understanding. At least linguistically we can understand what it is. Guru also, it's a big word. But uh, at least linguistically we could understand the general meaning of Guru. Charana Padma, lotus feet. It's very simple language. Kevala Bhakti, which means pure devotion. Kevala means only, without anything else. Sadma means, it's not such a well-known word, but it means house or, or the abode. The, the, the lotus feet of the spiritual master are the abode of pure devotional service. So it's very easy language. But uh, what he has given, his, his teachings, are so important that uh, all within Pratana and Prema Bhakti Chandrika, all the essential teachings of Krishna consciousness are given. Uh, and not just the teachings, but the, the sadhana and the sadhya, the goal, the means to attain and the goal of life are all there. So much so that Gorki saw Das Babaji Maharaj, people would come to him and ask him, Prem, give me Prem. He said, you can go and buy in the, go and buy in the marketplace for one anna or something like this, a small amount of money. You can buy the, you buy these two collections of books, these booklets, Prem Bhakti Chandrika Pratana, and you'll get Prem for, Prem only costs 25 paisa, something like this. Of course, entering into the spirit of it, that's not so easy, but the songs are so sweet and so poignant. You know what that word means? It means like piercing. That uh, simply by singing them, that 
people can become spiritually advanced. So Narottam's contribution, that is immense also. Of course, Narottam, he was writing in Bengali, he was a great Sanskrit scholar, he was a direct student of Jiva Goswami, so. It's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not for retarded people to be in the school of Jiva Goswami, and they have to be very, uh, intellectually capable. But Narottam, nevertheless, he composed in Bengali, we can say that's for the for the benefit of others, definitely, uh, but also that's his own ecstasy. His songs are his own ecstasy also, ex- expressing his own ecstasy. It's, it's not just that he's composing for the benefit of others, but it's also expressing his own uh, heart's desires, very much so, Narottam Das. So he's mentioned there, and then the next he mentioned, although there are uh, three initiating spiritual masters in between, is Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, who, uh, again, a remarkable acharya. There's a, the, the point, the, the point there's so many gurus, there may be so many gurus. Rasikananda, he was a disciple of Shamananda, so it's mentioned, some of his disciples are mentioned, and some of them, it's mentioned about them that they had thousands of disciples, but we don't know who they are now. So, after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Srinivas, Shamananda, and Narottam were preaching widely in Bengal and Orissa, and many, many people became devotees by their preaching, and also in the line of Narottam, uh, sorry, Nityananda Prabhu and Advaita Prabhu, there were different, what are now called paribas or families or lines. So especially Nityananda and Advaita line, they were preaching, there were so many devotees and others also. Uh, but especially these names are mentioned in our parampara. Narottam, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, whose, uh, his mission was to write in simple Sanskrit because Rupa Goswami's the, the <laughs> teachings of the Acharyas, they were not so easy to understand. But he wrote in his commentaries in simple Sanskrit to make it easier for people to understand. But he also not only gave his writings and which were commentaries, but he also, and not only simplified, but he also, what Rupa Goswami he gave, he gave more and expanded that more, and even more realization, so that Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentaries, they're unique, uh, his own original writings and his commentaries, they're a unique contribution, which uh, they, they, they fully uh, express uh, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give. So sometimes it's considered that Vishwanath is Rupa Goswami come again to uh, further express Sri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam, the heart's desire of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So uh, Vishwanath had a very important contribution and Baladev Vidyabhushan is the next mentioned. 
in the uh, song here. Valle Vidya Bhushan. Just like, uh, or something like this. Rupa Goswami wrote so many works, some philosophical works, Lagu Bhagavatamritam, but there are also, uh, he wrote many works which uh, those who are strict followers of Shastra, they won't accept. What is this? this Lalita Madhava, Vidagda Madhava, Dana Keli Komodi, Hansa Dutta. It sounds like just some something he made up. But Jiva Goswami supported Rupa Goswami's position by by writing like a, a, a catechism of of Gauriya Vaishnava Siddhanta. So in the same way, Vishwanath he wrote so many his own realizations. When we say realization, I mean his own insights into Leela. Even in Bhagavad Gita, there's some conversation going on. Vishwanath is giving the conversation or between Krishna and the gopis. We we don't find in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is saying this to Arjuna, or we don't find that Krishna and the gopis are talking like this. But Vishwanath has written like that. So we take it as realization, not imagination, that Vishwanath, he has direct access to all of this. He's, it's not like us, we're reading Bhagavad Gita and just trying to remember one or two verses and trying to explain it and you know, trying to get our Bhakti Shastri degree and all this kind of thing. But Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, he's living on that. All these acharyas, they're, they're not... Uh, just, you know, trying to get up in the morning and chant their rounds. They are there with Krishna. It's not that they're, they're, they're just theoretically trying to understand Krishna, but they are direct associates of Krishna. And although they're living in this world, they're not really connected with it. They only come to this world to pick us up. So they have a direct contact with Krishna and direct access to all his pastimes. So when they write they, 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 about this, uh, faithful, pers- faithful people, they will appreciate. But others, they don't appreciate. So just like Jiva Gos- Goswami supported Rupa Goswami by giving that philosophy or philosophical background, Shastric background, uh, so after Vishwanath and Baladevidya Bhushan, he, the same thing. After means he was a contemporary. He, Baladev, he was younger, of course. It came a little later than Vishwanath Chakravati. So the, uh, Ramanuja or Ramanandi sadhus, they criticized Actually, the Ramanandis, they didn't have a commentary on Vedanta Sutra until the 20th century. But uh, they criticized that, what is this? Worshipping Krishna, Radha Krishna. What, what is this Radha Krishna? We don't find any. We don't find in Vedanta Sutra any Radha. We don't find any. We don't find even in Srimad. You're supposed to be followers of Srimad Bhagavatam. We don't find any Radha. What is this? 
You don't have any commentary on Vedanta Sutra. You're not any Sampradaya. Please don't put the book just at the feet. It's not the best place to put it. So, uh, Balde Vidya Bhushan, he answered that uh, by giving in his Vedanta Sutra commentary. By the grace of Govinda, uh, the, the Ramanuja Sampradaya, they didn't want Radha to be with Govinda, so Govinda he spoke his commentary and Baladev Vidyabhushan became the medium by which that was manifested in the world. And many other writings also Baladev Vidyabhushan gave which um, supported the philosophical position of the Gorya Vaishnava Sampradaya. Because it's not just that we can just say something or feel something but that has to be supported by Shastra. Otherwise, anyone can say anything or feel anything. But uh, that is likely to be deviant if it's not uh, supported or supportable by Shastra. So the Acharyas, they particularly, they manifest the life of pure devotion and they... Uh, generally they make a literary contribution. We may say, well, everything's already written, so everything's there already, so why more literary contribution? So uh, literary contribution is also always needed in every generation because, uh, well, especially in Kali Yuga because things change and deteriorate so quickly. So practically in every generation, a literary contribution is required because uh, various speculations arise. Uh, or, of course, they're all dealt with in Shastra, but not everyone is aware of how the deviate, what, whatever deviations are there, they're already the rebuttal is there in Shastra, but it's not everyone's aware of that. So, uh, and they may be victimized by various deviations. So the Acharyas in every generation in this Kali Yuga, they address various issues. Uh, it can be quite complex. It requires uh, uh, empowered devotees to understand and present these points. Just like... Uh, Jiva Goswami himself apparently supported the Swakiyavadis, those who say that Krishna is married to Radha, which is contrary to, to Rupa Goswami and contrary to the whole, actually the whole mood of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya. But apparently he supported the Swakiyavad. Uh, but then later Vishwanath Chakravarti, there was a big controversy was going on, but Vishwanath Chakravarti established that Jiva Goswami, he may have said that, but and that's not totally outside, it's not totally untrue, but uh, the Parakya that Krishna and Radha are associating in the in the uh, Bhav or the mood of uh, lawless love 
that's the actual overriding relationship between them. So Vishwanath, he supported that. And we don't find any Swakiyavadis anymore. You ever came across any Swakiyavadis? I never did. Never heard of any. It's like he made them extinct, practically. Vishwanath Chakravati. So, uh, and there, there's a story about that. That some of them, they wanted to kill him. So they, every day, this, these opposing pundits, because Vishwanath was so much refuting them, they wanted to kill him and then, they came to kill him, but they didn't find him. They only found some beautiful young girl, and they asked him, did, did you see Vishwanath? And then that beautiful young girl turned into Vishwanath and said, well, I was just... She said, oh, no, I'm just collecting some flowers for my mistress, uh, Radharani. And then he took that form of Vishwanath, and then they understood, oh, all right, I guess he must know what he's talking about. He's a direct associate of Radha. So, uh, like this, the Vishwanath, Baladev, uh, <clears throat> then next mentioned, although there are, again, there are so many initiating gurus in between, and they may, they may all be very great devotees, but we don't know so much about them because the in terms of the, their literary contribution or preaching contribution, uh, is not so much. So the next uh, mention there is Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj. Now also, we find in this line, this, this song, Jagannath Das Babaji and Gorkishaw Das Babaji Maharaj are mentioned. Although they also, the preaching contribution, literary contribution, may not seem to be very much. Jagannath Das Babaji, he would preach, sometimes he would go with Bhaktivinoda Thakur to different places and then uh, have programs like this, what we would nowadays call a program, although it wouldn't, probably wouldn't be so organized that you come at such and such a time and like this, but they would go to different places and preach Krishna consciousness. Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj with Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Gorky Shah, uh, he wasn't preaching, but he had one disciple. And that one disciple, he, uh, anyway, I'll get through to him, uh, I'll come a little later, but, uh, yeah, the point, the, the inspiration they gave to their disciples, to Jagannath, to, uh, one thing they upheld the Gorya Vaishnav culture in, in dark and difficult times. And what they gave to uh, their, their disciples, Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Bhaktisiddhanta Sasrata Thakur, what treasure they gave, and that was again presented to the world by Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Bhaktisiddhanta Sasrata Thakur. So, uh, if you don't have uh, a million disciples, but you have a disciple, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, then... What's better? Ekas Chandras Tamohanti King Natara Ganopicha. One moon can, will illuminate the whole night sky more than millions of stars put together. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur was uh, such a moon and his contribution, it's, it's hardly known. Even among our own devotees, we need more, uh, stress on the te- teachings of Bhaktivinoda 
what he has given. Nowadays, many devotees are very interested to read and speak about Vishwanath Chakravar Thakur, which is actually what he has given. That's actually on a very uh, esoteric and high level and much of what he's given. Of course, he also, in his commentaries, he also, he also gave so many insights in, into the, the uh, tattva, or the, the philosophical understanding, but somehow or other that's not so popular. Um, but it's, it's better to approach by the step-by-step method, especially when we find that devotees in this generation, they're going step by step, but often they break their leg on the way and, and they, they're not capable to walk. So we should learn to walk before we should try to run or fools rush in where angels fear to tread. It's easy to talk about the high level pastimes, but to actually uh, be qualified even to, who could, who's going to chant one round of japa attentively and then you know, <laughs> and we're going to talk about so many high-level things. So, but you know, Thakur, of course, he also gave so much uh, what we high-level uh, teachings, but very practical, very practical acharya. And he gave. Uh, he was personally uh, preaching in Bengal, establishing namhatas. Encouraging people to take up Krishna consciousness, and but uh, also uh, writing, and so many of his writings they were uh, very helpful for people to take up Krishna consciousness. And again, he addressed the needs of his time in his writings. He addressed so many misconceptions that had come in through the Prakrita Sahajyas and through the. Uh, British, their influence had influenced the uh, young, uh, his, his own generation, the, the educated, educated young men of Bengal. So he, he wrote, and he wrote in a very systematic way that would appeal to the, uh, he, he presented the philosophy of Krishna consciousness in a very systematic way that would appeal to the Modern educated types. We find that Srimad Bhagavatam, it may appear not to be very systematic. We don't go chapter one, okay, this uh, epistemology, I guess, should be chapter one. And then chapter two, the Jiva Tattva, we don't find like that in Srimad Bhagavatam. Because actually the Shastras, they're supposed to be explained by gurus to disciples and they'll take them step by step according to the individual need. It's not supposed to be a teach yourself Krishna consciousness in 30 days. It's not supposed to be like... Shastras are actually meant for explaining. For reading also, but simply by reading uh, no one is going to become self-realized. Explanation is required also. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, especially in his uh, Sri Chaitanya Shikshamrita, was very important book. He systematically presented uh, levels of uh, human understanding and culture and, and uh, has established step by step how 
Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's contribution is uh, the topmost of human society. So these two books, his uh, Chaitanya Shikshamrita and Jaiva Dharma, these are two very important books and many others also. His songs in themselves are a great ocean. He wrote so many songs. Uh, like Narottam Das, many of them were Narottam Das and Bhaktivinoda Thakur, their song, there are so many songwriters in our Gorya line, in Bengali, mostly in Bengali, in, in Maithili and Rijbasha, also Bridgebuli. Uh, but Narottam Das and Bhaktivinoda, their songs, uh, they, particularly they have the quality that they have, they're didactic. They're not all, most of the songs of our Gorya Vaishnava Acharyas, they explain the, uh, the form of Krishna, the pastimes of Krishna, the qualities of Rupa Kirtan, Nama Kirtan, Rupa Kirtan, Guna Kirtan, Leela Kirtan. So, their names, but, uh, and especially the Leela Kirtan, describing the pastimes of Krishna, especially the pastimes with the gopis. And there's some Rupa Kirtan, they describe the form of Krishna, but Narottam and Bhaktivinoda, they also compose such songs, but many of their songs are didactic, which means instructive, instructive to help people come up. So, uh, Narottam, yeah, he gave that other, in the, uh, Prem Bhakti Chandrika, he gave the whole philosophy of Krishna consciousness in brief, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, even more so, he, he addressed the, the, presenting himself as a fallen soul, he presented the, what is the miserable condition of this material world, and taking his own life as a model, he, uh, he sings the, his songs, they're all very personal. Uh, so they're based on his own life, some of them. Amar Jivan, Shoda Pape, there's so many. Jovan Ejokon, he's, uh, recounting his own life. How I wasted my time in studying and looking after my family and earning money. So, uh, they're very personal prayers to Krishna, but at the same time, they, uh, they can be taken by anyone and everyone's in this position of being very uh, fallen and suffering. He takes this position that he's very fallen. He's not very fallen. But he feels himself like that and writes for us. So his songs, even more than Narottam does, they're, they're very helpful for the sadhaka or those who wish to become advanced in Krishna consciousness. So yeah, this uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, if we've, I don't know if they've given the present editions of Bhagavad Gita as it is, but in the old editions, it would always be given his photo or, or a painting of him would be given and the stated the, uh, what is that exact words? The pioneer, inaugurator of uh, preaching Krishna consciousness in the modern world. So he had that vision 
that Krishna consciousness should spread very widely and his preaching was aimed at that also. His his writings and his pre, how he presented Krishna consciousness was directed at modern man. So his contribution practically we're all in the line that uh, Bhaktisthan Sasharthaka called the Bhaktivinoda Dhara or the line coming from Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Uh, then within that, we were in the Sarasvata line, coming from Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati. Next in the line of preachers was Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Gorki Shodas Babaji Maharaj. Uh, yeah, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. What a tremendous scholar and ascetic and uh, s- such a such a dedication determination so intense intense devotional service but he, even though he wrote in and, and spoke in such a scholarly style that uh, even great scholars of his time and in those times scholars the level of scholarship was much more than presently Nowadays, in our ISKCON, if someone can remember 10 or 12 verses, people think they're a scholar. But uh, at that time, the level of education was very high. And at that time, there was still, even in Bengal, it's very difficult to find anyone who knows any Sanskrit nowadays. But uh, there were still many Brahmins who studied Shastra. They, they conversed in Bengali you, where will you find now in Bengal? But uh, the scholarship, the, the tradition of scholarship was very strong in India and among the Brahmins. It was it was required for a Brahmin. Otherwise, you're not a Brahmin. If you don't if you don't know at least one Veda, then you're not a Brahmin and you're a Brahma Bandhu. So you, you had to learn, and then in the Vaishnav line of so many things, you'd have to learn to re, to to rebut the challenges of those who don't accept Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's line. So, very uh, high level of scholarship, but Bhaktisthana Saraswati, his scholarship made even the scholars, either side, either from the traditional side of scholarship or those who are educated in the in the modern British way, from either side, Bhaktisthana Saraswati, he would just leave them behind wondering, what's he talking about? They, they couldn't follow him. They were proud of their scholarship, but he, uh, his scholarship was such that he just left everyone behind. It's very difficult for anyone to understand what he said. Some of his disciples, after hearing him repeatedly, could understand what he was saying. <laughs> Some of the most educated of his disciples. Even Prabhupada said, I, I sat and listened to him, I couldn't understand what I said. It's very, uh, highly intellectual. But he said, Bhaktisiddhan Saraswati Thakur said that all the knowledge, all the Shastra, all the Siddhanta is in a, in a speck of dust of my Guru Dev's lotus feet. He, he didn't think that, and now I'm speaking so many things, I know so many things. But he took it as all the blessings of his guru. 
Bhaktis Dhanasar Thakur considered that in my youth I was uh, puffed up, intellectual and thinking I'm I'm so pri- I'm so intelligent and I'm defeating so many people. But when I saw my Guru Dev, then I understood what it actually means to be a Vaishnava. What he what, another thing he said was that I I'd studied by the grace of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Uh, Bhaktisthan Sarsar Thakur said, I'd studied all the uh, works of all the, all our previous acharyas, but it, it seemed to me impractical. I, I didn't think that anyone could actually be a pure devotee like that, like it's mentioned, uh, and and be so renounced like the six Goswamis. And he, he said it didn't seem very realistic to me. But when he saw Gorky Shah does Babaji Maharaj, then he said, "Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's possible." Yeah. Pure devotees can exist in this world. And then, uh, on the order of Gorky Shodas Babaji Maharaj, Bhaktisiddhan Saraswar Thakur took up the work of making more pure devotees. Of that, Bhaktisiddhan Saraswar Thakur, his desire was to bring people to the standard of Gorky Shodas Babaji Maharaj. That's what he thought was a devotee. <laughs> He was on the same level of, of course, himself. So, uh, Srila Bhaktisthan Sarasar Thakur had many, uh, exceptional disciples. He didn't, by his preaching, he then, people who were, uh, not prepared to be serious, they, they wouldn't come to him. Some came, actually. Somehow or other. But uh, his preaching was on a level of very strongly insisting to surrender to Krishna. Uh, so he, and by his uh, highly intellectual presentation, he attracted many uh, highly learned or intellectual persons who he imbued with the same spirit. And uh, actually, uh, Although Srila Prabhupada sometimes criticized his godbrothers, he can do so. But from our perspective, if we see who we are and who they are, then there's a lot of difference, actually. They were very, uh, very qualified. And even to live in the Goryamat, Prabhupada said, I'm 80% more lenient than my Guru Maharaj. We've, I don't think we could make it in the Goryamat in those days. This is... Extremely intense. Of course, it's very blissful also. Otherwise, why would people come? But it was, uh, it was very intense. There's no doubt. No shoes. No, what to speak of socks. <laughs> so, uh, just for example. Then, uh, yeah, so then today we're celebrating the Vyasa Puja of Srila Prabhupada and like I said there are many gurus many great devotees in the line of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu not all of their names are coming in the parampara they're in the parampara but they're not mentioned when we when we mention the parampara because we can't mention you know several thousand devotees when we remember the chief devotees so 
Srila Prabhupada, not only is he of the same level uh, of these great Paramahamsas, but his contribution brings to fruition all that the Acharyas have given to date. That Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted Krishna consciousness spread all over the world. Who could do that? Who could have, uh, this uh, Krishna consciousness from two standpoints, at least, well, from several standpoints, it seems almost impossible to do. For one thing, the culture is so different in the outside of India. Uh, that's one thing. And, and another thing, they, in the in the Western world, or all over the world, People, they are, their whole life is meat eating, gambling, intoxication, illicit sex. When Goswami Maharaj, one of Prabhupada's godbrothers, he was in England, he asked you know, Lord Zetland, who was a great supporter of the Gorya Mata activities in England, he, he one time jokingly asked, uh, Goswami Maharaj, can you make me a Brahmana? And Goswami Maharaj said, yes. You just have to give up meat-eating, gambling, intoxication, illicit sex. And Lord Zetland said, impossible. And it was more or less taken, yeah, impossible. We tried, we preached in the West, but it was impossible. They themselves said impossible. So, uh, it was impossible. But as Prabhupada, he had the faith, as he wrote in his song, but by the mercy of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, by his mercy, the impossible can become possible. So that's one other reason. I mean, you, you can't even get started. If people are not going to give up meat-eating, gambling, intoxication, illicit sex, then you, what are you going to do? What are you going to preach? How are you going to reform people? How are they going to come to Krishna consciousness? Of course... Uh, by the grace of uh, Maya Kali, the personality of Kali, uh, Prabhupada gave all these principles and now we have supposed to be followers of Prabhupada saying that, well, actually you don't need to follow all these principles. You can follow them if you like. It doesn't really matter. The main thing is just bhakti. You don't really, uh, principles, yeah, you can follow them. Uh, not really necessary. Don't be a fanatic. So, this is rascaldom. Uh, the whole world is full of rascaldom. And Prabhupada came to kick that back. Uh, and that's another reason, that it was impossible. It was considered impossible. And then, uh, what are the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that he came to establish Radha Mahima Prema Rasha Shima Jagate Janatoke the, the glories of Radharani which are the ultimate limit of Prema Ras who could have established that in the world but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Prema Ras if I say prema rasa, then all of you, linguistically, we can understand what it means. It's difficult to translate into English or Slovene. You could say the 
Prema means purest, highest love of Krishna. And rasa means uh, an emotional taste. I guess it's difficult to try. Yeah, so we, uh, we can say that, but to, to bring that, to, to actually uh, infuse that, communicate that, deliver that. Who can deliver that? Who, who, it's, it's, of course it's said that the guru is just like a postman. Sometimes Prabhupada gave that example. But it's not every postman can carry this parcel. It's not everyone's qualified. Who's, who can carry, uh, just like if you, tra- if they transport radioactive material, it's not that you can just put it in the back of a truck, in an open truck, and it has to be transported under very careful conditions. It has to be delivered. Experts have to handle it at every stage. So this premaras of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then it's not that anyone can just... Uh, pick it up and start talking about it and anyone can get it. It's not such a cheap or easy thing. Uh, if it's not handled by experts who who know exactly what to do, then it's going to get misused. And it, it, and in the name of Prem Rasa, we'll get some, uh, some abortions. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what Prabhupada said. The... the the, uh, the Gopi Bhava Club, as it came to be known in Los Angeles, that uh, they were discussing about the intimate pastimes of Radha and Krishna from Prabhupada's books. They didn't have all these other books at that time. Only Prabhupada's books at that time. Uh, later on, Kushakrata Prabhu translated so many books, and now so many books have been translated. But at that time, there are only Prabhupada's books. And recently, Chaitanya Charitamrita had come out, and there are some sections of Chaitanya Charitamrita which describe Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's feelings, Radha's feelings, the gopis' feelings for Krishna very intimately. So some of Prabhupada's disciples, they were discussing this and only this. And uh, with the aim to... It says there in Chaitanya Charitamrita, it should become a gopi, it should follow in the footsteps of the gopis. So they thought they were going to do this. And when Prabhupada heard about this, he became very angry and he told them not to do it. <laughs> first, he said, first deserve and then desire. He said, Prabhupada, we're only reading your books. He said, yes. But Prabhupada said this, first deserve, then desire. Not that you read only the Gopi Leela and not the not the uh, Bhagavad Gita. Even Srila Prabhupada, he he didn't even like that there'll be so many paintings of Krishna and the Gopis. Mostly nowadays we find in our movements mostly Krishna and Gopis Leela. But Prabhupada he wanted to see Mahavishnu Leela, how the world is being created, all these things. Now, why is that? Is Prabhupada cheating us and denying us Radha Prema Rasa? No, he's delivering it, but he knows how to deliver it. It's just like uh, to give a to give an example. Uh, yeah, enjoy life. 
I heard Prabhupada say this personally. <laughs> it's, uh, this, that's there in the science of self-realization. I, that, uh, it's Mike Robinson of the London Broadcasting Corporation. He asked Prabhupada the, the important question, essential question. What is the purpose of life? So I thought Prabhupada is going to say to perform austerity or to understand God, to understand the truth. And Prabhupada said, the purpose of life is to enjoy. <laughs> it's right there in the science of self-realization. I was surprised. I, I didn't expect it. Then Prabhupada explained that by nature we are blissful. That is our very nature. But we are now in the atmosphere of non-enjoyment. So we have to come to the platform of enjoyment. We have to become, to qualify ourselves to enter that. So Prabhupada, he gave what is required so that we can do the needful to enjoy. What is enjoyable? Ghee, ghee. Ghee is enjoyable. There are so many enjoyable things. One thing enjoyable is rinangkritva gritham pibet. Not oil. Don't take oil. For enjoyment, ghee. Yavaj jivet sukham jivet. As long as you live, live happily. Bhasmi bhutasya. What is that? Bhasmi bhutasya dehasya puna agamana bhavet. Because when the, this is the charvak philosophy, this is in a nutshell. I learned this, Prabhupada taught this, so. As long as you live, eat ghee and live happily, uh, borrow it, buy it, steal it, somehow or other get ghee. It's right there in Prabhupada's books. And then when you die, it doesn't matter because you won't, your body will be burned and you won't come back. So live, live happily while you can. So eat ghee. Alright, so how much ghee are you going to take? If you don't have a good digestion, especially on the night after Janmashtra, you've been fasting, and then you eat a big heavy feast with ghee, then you're going to get sick. And maybe young men, they can eat plenty of ghee. But then uh, there comes a point in time when your digestion, even yesterday we were saying, even Agni himself, he had so much ghee that he got indigestion. So, like that, we are, yeah, if we're healthy, we can take ghee. If we're not, then we have to undergo some course of treatment whereby we can become healthy enough to eat ghee. And then when we eat ghee, then we'll get nourished. It's very nourishing. But if you can't digest it, then it's not nourishing. It acts as poison. So in the same way, the Radha Prem Ras, that is most nourishing for the soul. That is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give. But if we're sick, then instead of acting as uh, nourishment, then that may become misdigested. Or, yeah, undi- undigested. So we find in the uh, sampra- or the offshoots, the deviant offshoots from the Sampradaya of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They generally like to speak mostly about very high 
topics of Radha and Krishna's Leela without having the qualification. And yes, so that I said, what happens? You, if we talk about very high, th- about the Gopi Leela without the qualification, then the result is abortions. And that's what Prabhupada said, yeah. About the, uh, because he saw practically among his disciples, he had given them these rules and regulations to follow. But there was so much illicit sex going on among Prabhupada's in Los Angeles. It was sometimes known as Los Angeles among the devotees. Among the de- among the devotees because marriage and remarriage and re-remarriage and preach to a new bhaktin and then make her pregnant and all the and then uh, having abortions, these kind of things were going on. Prabhupada was aware of that. So on one side you've got you know the uh, the abortion club, on the other side you've got the Gopi Baba club. So Prabhupada could understand that the devotees are not fit for this. That uh, that's what they need. That's why Prabhupada translated these books. That's why he came to this world. But he introduced it step by step. First deserve, then desire. He said. He didn't say don't take it, but take it. Step by step, just like he told some devotees that you go, you preach and then when you're older you go and live in Vrindavan and study the works of the Goswamis. He, he told Burijan Prabhu that and, and, and Yamuna also. So maybe some other devotees that you, you uh, preach and then when you're 15 you live in Vrindavan and do that. So he didn't deny that. But at the same time, uh, Prabhupada, he didn't want the farce of People who they can't even follow the regulated principles, and then they want to propagate to everyone as if they're on a very high level, and then the result becomes everything becomes confused. Which is why Bhaktivinoda uh, Thakur and Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur they revived Krishna consciousness. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's cult was practically it was spoiled by the Prakritas Sahajyas who had overtaken it. There was, there was no question of preaching Krishna consciousness all over the world. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's cults were preaching it all over the world because there was, it was difficult to find anyone following it properly, even in Bengal or Vrindavan. You see, there either there were the... I, I described that to some extent in this Bhaktisiddhanta Vaibhav. How you'd, you'd have a few Babaji's like not many, like Gorky Shodas Babaji Maharaj were following very strictly. But then who could become their disciple? Because you, with Gorky Shodas Babaji Maharaj, you want to be his disciple, he won't accept you unless you're on the same level. You come immediately to this level. And people couldn't do it. So Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, he made a means for them to do this, so they could come up gradually. Otherwise, there were householders and there Officially initiated by official gurus who didn't have much of a spiritual contribution to offer. Some of them did. Some of the gurus in the Nityananda Vangsha, Advaita Vangsha, and the Shamananda line, they were serious practitioners of Krishna consciousness. But they usually didn't demand that of their, they didn't demand that of their disciples. They would initiate. Anyone comes, initiate, initiate. They themselves a few of them were practicing strictly, but they they didn't transmit that to their disciples. So, Prabhupada came to give us 
the real thing, the highest thing, the best thing. Uh, but he gave it as an expert physician treats the patient. Just like in Ayurveda, it's in in the in Western culture we want everything instantly. So you have a headache, take a pill. That's what Sridhar Maharaj told me. I used to get bad headaches. He said, well, just take an aspirin. I said, oh, it doesn't work. Take more. But Ayurveda treats the, the root cause. You can go on taking aspirins more and more. It'll go away temporarily. But uh, So you, it's like a quick fix. Take a, take a pill. But it doesn't cure the condition. It may make it worse. But uh, with Ayurveda, it's long, slow treatment for chronic diseases. But gradually, slowly, it cures. Because if the disease is very deep in the system, it's not that you can just take a pill and it'll be finished. So it goes very deeply into the system and cures it. Of course, in just like in the... Uh, Modern cancer treatment, they have this chemotherapy, which goes right into the system, but it doesn't cure it, it just kills it. <laughs> so it kills the disease and kills off a lot of your benign uh, cells, and it, it really, it's, it's like, uh, it's like the difference between a modern atom bomb and the Brahmastra. The modern atom bomb, they, there's, it's said that why, why did they drop the, these atom bombs on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Why? Why not on Tokyo and Osaka or bigger cities? They're not very big cities, Hiroshima or Nagasaki. It's said that, so it is said among some people, that there was some intelligence report that Netaji Subhas Chandra Bosch was in one of those cities. So they wanted to kill him. So it's said. It may be or may not be. Uh, so like that, you kill the whole city, and he's in there too. So we hope he, we hope he killed him. Or like there was some city in south of France, Avignon, I think it was. There was the uh, there was a considered a heretical set of sect of Christians. This was when I don't know, 1400s or so. What were they called? The Cathars. You know about that? So, uh, the Pope ordered, go and, there was one town where there were all these Katars who were, they were disgusted by the Pope and by the, the whole church, so they had a different religion, different version of Christianity. So the Pope said, just go and kill all the Katars, just go and kill every, and, uh, so the soldiers said, well, you know, we don't know who's who. So he just said, well, kill everyone in the town. And kill the Catholics too. And to let God sort them out. <laughs> so you want to you kill them all? You don't know who's who? Then just kill everyone. So like that, the atom bomb that kills so many people. But the Brahmastra... It has the same potency, more potency, but it's directed who you want to kill, not that you just kill everyone. So what was I talking about? Yeah, the chemotherapy. Ayurveda, yeah. It 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 doesn't yeah, I got a little distracted there. So Ayurveda that 
it doesn't just kill everything. Uh, but it heals and nourishes so that you come out not only are you cured if you if we follow the course properly and we have a good doctor uh, then not only are we cured but we are in better health than when we started whereas with chemotherapy it kills the cancer but then you have to suffer for the rest of your life for the for the uh, it's it's heavily debilitates the system, so it's not that Prabhupada was saying no 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 Radha no don't don't discuss about gopis this stuff but he gave the tra- take the treatment just like the the doctor was well I I want to go and play tennis and just lie down take the medicine you can play tennis but just wait. Take the treatment. Become cured. You not only play tennis, you can go and climb the mountains. But take it step by step. And if someone wants to go and climb a mountain, oh, I'm feeling a lot better from the treatment, so I'll go and climb the mountain. And you're, But you don't actually have the strength. Then you'll fall down and break your neck. So this way, Prabhupada is the expert physician, gave us step by step. Krishna consciousness, as we need it, as the world needs it. Anyway, there are so many things to be said. So many devotees have so many things to say. So, uh, I'll finish there. Uh, and we'll go on with the rest of the program. What is the rest of the program? There are so many things to be said about Prabhupada. Kirtan? And then there's going to be Abhishek and Pushpanjali. What time is that? In the afternoon? No, everything should be done in the morning. How is that? Abhishek in the afternoon? What is that? How is that? The Asapuja is in the morning, not in the afternoon. The festival's in the morning. How is that? Can we reschedule it? The whole thing's supposed to be done in the morning. Then the puja finishes, then you take prasadam. And when the prasadam, then the festival's finished. That's, that's the thing. And we can have a speech and this and that in the evening, but, uh, that's for the guests, I guess, or those who don't come in the day. But for, we're worshipping Prabhupada. That's the point. We're not, the point is to worship Prabhupada, not to, Catering to the guests or those who can't come, that's a secondary consideration. Actually, even Abhishek, that's, uh, for Vyasa Puja, that's, that's not the way. We didn't do that when Prabhupada was here. We didn't sit Prabhupada down and give him an Abhishek. Push Panjali, yes. Yeah, but I'm just wondering if we can do the Abhishek at that time also. But they have a whole, uh, Abhishek team, is it? Came out last night, Baladevid Dabhushan and company. Actually, traditionally, we don't do Abhisheka for Vyasa Puja anyway. I mean, when Prabhupada was here, we didn't do we didn't do Abhisheka. We don't see generally that's done for for Vyasa Puja. Pushpanjali. Yeah. Yeah. One thing it's become due to the modern circumstances. Often the festivals are observed mainly in the evening.
but actually it's supposed to be done in the morning. And the, the worship is for, just like Radhashtami is for Radha. It's not for the guests. If they can't come, that's their, you know, that's their problem. But the, the worship is done in the morning. <laughs> so you can do, you can again speak in the evening and have kirtan and all these things. But actually, just like Prabhupada was in Vrindavan for Radhashri and finished the festival at midday and then he left and went somewhere else like that. Modern life, you know, people are working and this and that, or they don't like to come in the morning or whatever. But uh, that's my point: is we should do it. It's it's for them who's who's being worshipped, not for our convenience. The other thing you could do is do the night before. That's more traditional because the night before a festival, you start the festival with some kirtan and speaking. Some rituals like that. That that would be if you want to do it in the evening, it would be more the evening before would be more in line. Prabhupada's appearance day, yeah, Janmashtami is the day before, so we're celebrating Janmashtami. Janmashtami goes. Uh, that's a night festival. That's, but some uh, different times of different festivals, like Balaram Purnima is midday then. Ramanomi is midday. Gorponima goes up to the evening. Nushinga goes up to the evening. Depends on the time of appearance. Very beautifully done, huh? This is a work of devotion. Okay, I guess I'll... So here's uh, the offering that I wrote this year for Srila Prabhupada's Yasa Puja. Srila Prabhupada, I desire to attain your full mercy by placing upon my head the dust of your lotus feet and thereby receive the concentrated essence of all the mercy of all the Vaishnavas that have ever, that has ever been available in the history of the universe. Bhakta Padadhuli or Bhakta Padajal Bhakta Bhukta Abhashesh Teen Mahabal The dust of the feet of a devotee The water that has washed the feet of a devotee And the remnants of food left by a devotee Are three very powerful substances Eighteen Shiva Hoite Krishna Prema Hoy Puna Puna Sarva Shastri Fukariya Khoi By rendering service to these three one attains the supreme goal of ecstatic love for Krishna. In all the revealed scriptures, this is loudly declared again and again. Srila Prabhupada, to receive the dust of your lotus feet on my head would be the ultimate perfection of my existence. But such a benediction is not easily attained. While it might be considered that disciples have an inalienable right to access the mercy of their guru's feet, and although, although some Mayavadis and Prakrita Sahajya sadhus unreservedly bestow their foot dust even upon casual visitors, the Acharyas of our Parampara have been more circumspect. In your purports to verses 17, 244-45 of Chaitanya Charitamrita's Adi Leela, you state, this holding of a great personality's lotus feet is certainly very good for the person who takes the dust. 
But this example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's unhappiness indicates that a Vaishnava should not allow anyone to take dust from his feet. One who takes the dust of a great personality's lotus feet transfers his simple activities to that great personality. Unless the person whose dust is taken is very strong, he must suffer the sinful activities of the person who takes the dust. Therefore, ordinarily, it should not be allowed. Sometimes in big meetings, people come to take the same advantage by touching our feet. On account of this, sometimes we have to suffer from some disease. As far as possible, no outsider should be allowed to touch one's feet to take dust from them. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally showed this by his example as explained in the next verse. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is God himself, but he was playing the part of a preacher. Every preacher should know that being allowed to touch a Vaishnava's feet and take dust may be good for the person who takes it, but it is not good for the person who allows it to be taken. As far as possible, this practice should ordinarily be avoided. Only initiated disciples should be allowed to take this advantage, not others. Those who are full of sinful activities should generally be avoided. End of the quote. Several devotees have confirmed that at least up until around 1970 it was fairly common that disciples and committed newcomers would touch your lotus feet. But that changed. Udayananda Prabhu recalled that in 1974 when he asked permission to touch your lotus feet after you had awarded him the Gayatri Mantra, you smiled and replied, that is not necessary. By 1975, when I was mercifully accepted into ISKCON, senior devotees would routinely warn juniors not to touch your feet, informing us that you did not like it, which is understandable for a guru who has thousands of disciples. And only to a fortunate few did your divine grace award the massive benediction of placing your feet upon their head. You once did so in 1968 in Montreal on the request of the three householder couples whom you had prepared for preaching in England. The benediction of receiving the dust from the lotus feet of a Mahabhagavat is so rarely bestowed that apparently some special qualification beyond formal discipleship, is required for achieving it. As Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati once some told some respectable ladies of Dhaka who had come to worship him and who apparently expected to touch his lotus feet, for those inclined to freely touch anyone's feet, I, rec I recall the words of my Guru Dev. Why do they so boldly stretch out their hands to take dust from the feet of a sadhu? Do they really consider themselves always, do they really consider themselves sufficiently qualified? Although Srila Gaurakishar Das Babaji always strictly forbade anyone to touch his feet, he once voluntarily placed them on Sri Siddhanta Saraswati's head. What was the difference between those who were refused such a benediction and that personage upon whom it was happily bestowed? What is the qualification for receiving dust of a Mahabhagavata's lotus feet? A great pure devotee such as your divine grace comes to this world out of his causeless mercy with the sole intention to distribute mercy. Yet that mercy is more freely bestowed on some than others for not all recipients are equally eager to receive it. 
Not all recipients are equally eager to receive it. Just as the duck who quacks the most insistently is given more food, devotees who sincerely cry out for special mercy thus qualify themselves for it by dint of their strong desire to be blessed with an opportunity for intimate service. The devotees who were embarking for London in 1968 were on a mission most dear to you, yet apparently almost impossible to execute. They were attempting to emulate a feat nearly parallel to what your divine grace had accomplished, to go to an unknown country with no local friends or support and, and very little money and introduce the foreign culture of Lord Chaitanya's Sankirtan movement. They were six rather than being alone as you had been. Unlike in your case, they were backed by a movement, albeit distant, fledgling and unrecognized. They also had the example of your success. Still, the likelihood of their success might seem to have been even less than yours was when you set out for America because they lacked your maturity, your lifelong absorption in the culture and philosophy of Krishna consciousness and your zenith purity. Both in your going to America and in your householder disciples venture to England, the crucial asset was total faith in the order of the spiritual master and the commitment to follow it against all odds. Such wholehearted faith in the spiritual master and such determination to execute his order even, the, even in the most trying of circumstances without consideration of personal convenience, loss or gain constitute, in my understanding, the essential qualification for attaining the spiritual master's complete unreserved mercy. A true disciple's desire is one with that of his guru. Such a disciple maintains no doubts about his guru nor any ambition other than to serve him. And when a spiritual master sees a disciple thus qualified, he voluntarily places his feet on that disciple's head. Then the mercy flows unobstructed, and the seemingly impossible becomes a reality. But such mercy is not easily attained. Srila Prabhupada, the dust of your lotus feet is sought by great demigods and sages, yet even they find it difficult to achieve. Only upon those who strongly, unfailingly and guilelessly seek the mercy of a pure devotee is it unreservedly bestowed. Udayananda Prabhu related how he received your mercy far beyond his expectation or imagination. In Vrindavan in 1977, when you were enacting your pastime of prolonged Ill illness, is quoting Udayananda Prabhu, I had always had this desire to touch the lotus feet of the pure devotee and this went back to the time when I was getting Brahmana initiation in 1974. At that time I asked Srila Prabhupada if I could touch his feet and Prabhupada said, no, that is not necessary. So here I am in Srila Prabhupada's room and I look over and I see Trivikram Swami and he's massaging Prabhupada's feet and I'm thinking, why is he getting all this mercy? But then I'm thinking, oh, I don't even deserve to be in this room. I don't even deserve to be in this room. And then all of a sudden Maharaj yawned and I said, oh, Krishna. So I humbly came over to Maharaj and said, would it be okay if I took over and massaged 
Srila Prabhupada's feet and he said, okay. I thought, oh my God, I don't believe this is really going to happen. So then Maharaj showed me how to do the massage. I was so gentle as I massaged the lotus feet of Srila Prabhupada and I got to massage him for two and a half hours. Then at one point Prabhupada looked up and asked, who is massaging my feet? Tamal Krishna Maharaj said, oh, that's Udayananda Das. And Prabhupada said, oh. And then there was this smile on Prabhupada's face as if after all these years he was fulfilling my desire. Then by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada he allowed me to massage his feet every day for the next three weeks. At that time I thought I was the most fortunate soul in the whole universe. My dear Srila Prabhupada, I most woefully deprive myself of your full mercy by not desiring it strongly enough. Although it is available to all, I have not taken it. Examining myself after all these years of supposedly preaching Krishna consciousness, I cannot but admit that I am still nurturing insane hopes for sense gratification. I am simply a pretender. Yet while lamenting my foolishness and hypocrisy, I must recognize that by your mercy there also exists within my heart a desire to be done forever with all my nonsense and to thus become your actual disciple. Srila Prabhupada, notwithstanding my stupidity and knowing myself to be unqualified, I sustain the wish that you just once place your lotus feet on my head, this storehouse of wretched thoughts, and thus award me the kind of purification that cannot be attained through millions of lifetimes of other practices, not even by assiduously performing sadhana bhakti. By the mercy of your feet, I will, will, I will receive the mercy of all previous acharyas and of sadvaitam, savadhutam, purijana sahitam, krishna chaitanya devam, shiradha krishna padan, sahagana, lalita shivishakam vitamscha. Such an opportunity is worth waiting millions of lifetimes for. I might not qualify for that mercy very soon, but the hope of attaining it keeps me alive, although 